You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your ears, no matter where you may be in this world. I am your host, Ryan Andrews, back for another week of Blue Jays talk with our Monday Musings edition, back on a Monday where it belongs after last week's Victoria Day uh, observance, let's call it that. Uh, We have a series win to talk about, so that's exciting. Blue Jays won a series. Um, We are going to discuss the keys to what the Blue Jays did to take two of three from a good Philadelphia team in Philadelphia. But uh, we have to start today with the news. Um, I'm I'm recording this around 1 p.m. Atlantic time. And for the 2 o'clock Memorial Day game that the Blue Jays are playing in Boston today to open up that series with the Red Sox, uh, the lineups have been announced, and traveling man Russell Martin is at it again. Uh, he will make his first career start in left field today. Um, David Price is on the mound for the Red Sox, so they don't want to send out Curtis Granderson with his weakness to lefties. So instead, Russell Martin gets the call to go to the outfield. And I I know there, there are... Blue Jays fans on Twitter who are starting to get a little cynical with uh, Martin's trip around the ball field. Just, just he's it, at this rate, he's going to play every position. <laughs> I, I think he's, he's going to be that raise like starter for one game and just move around. But yeah, it's something I don't think the Blue Jays thought they would be in a position to do. At the moment, with Russell Martin, especially given what they were supposed to have in left field, but you know, when one fifth of your roster hits the disabled list, you start seeing what exactly the guys on your team can do. And Russell Martin is trying to make himself more valuable. He's he's trying to pull off the Lourdes Gurriel. Marwin Gonzalez gambit and just show he can play everywhere, I guess. I, I saw a tweet. He's the first position player to play catcher, shortstop, third base, and left field in the same season since 1964, which shows you how rare this is. But I will admit it's interesting from Russell Martin's part to, again, show how valuable he is, especially considering the struggles he has had offensively at the plate, because even after collecting hits in two or three games against Philadelphia, Russell Martin is still batting 165. That is below Kendris Morales. And still still he's going out there. He's he's proving his work defensively to try, try and justify that. Now, Russell Martin has kind of split the fan base a little bit. And people wanting nothing more to do with a guy who's hitting 165. 
that's that's people just looking at the offensive output with Russell Martin. What Russell Martin has been able to do that's been valuable for the Blue Jays is his defense, whether it be behind the plate or extended to the infield and beyond, I guess, at this point. He, he did play shortstop in Game 2 of the series against Philadelphia, and he wasn't terrible. Again, he's... He has a cannon for an arm. He's he's used that multiple times, throwing across the diamond to try and nail Steelers at second. But he's showing that it's translating into the infield and making him effective there. Will it make him effective in left field? I am a little more skeptical about this because even when putting him out at shortstop, John Gibbon has said range is not an issue for Blue Jays players going out there. But shortstop, you're covering a fairly small amount of the diamond. Left field, you're going to have to take everything. Now, it helps when you have a guy like Kevin Pillar who thinks he can catch everything hit to him and will go to prove that fact out in the outfield. So that does give you a little more flexibility. It allows you to run guys like Teoscar Hernandez out and right as well. But I'm... I'm actually I don't have as much of a problem with this as probably some other Blue Jays fans, especially again, like I said, it, it's a team that's trying to work back from losing a good chunk of its roster, and and there was news that you know the cavalry is starting to come back. Gregor Chisholm of MLB.com reported that Aledmus Diaz is beginning his rehab assignment today at New Hampshire. Randall Grichuk's already there. So those two guys look like they'll be coming back shortly. Um, Steve Pierce is starting to work on hitting again. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki's running again, which I would have thought he needed to be a little bit further along. But I guess when you have surgery on both heels, you take it as slowly as you can. So the the guys who will be playing those positions are coming back. But for the moment... Russell Martin is saving the Blue Jays the need to go out and get other temporary replacements like they did last year when they had guys like Chris Coughlin on the roster, when they had to call up guys like Ian Parmley. The fact that Russell Martin's giving this versatility to the Blue Jays is saving them from having to make these moves, from from having to get um, get different players. Now, again, we've seen this season that that strategy is not 100% foolproof when they lost Carlos Ramirez to Oakland on waivers, but the damage could have been a lot worse. And Martin's newfound versatility is saving them from having to call up Anthony Alford a little too early from having to run Dalton Pompey out there when it seems like the Blue Jays don't have any confidence left in Dalton Pompey as a major league batter. Um, it, Probably should have saved them from getting Gio Urshela, but too many injuries, I guess, to prevent that acquisition. So, again, I'm I'm actually quite all right with what Russell Martin is doing. He's showing value to this team in a different way, since his bat isn't doing what it's supposed to. And <laughs> I'm I'm not saying I'm going to watch this game with a morbid curiosity, um, likely because I'm going to be traveling during this game. So I will be checked in to my local radio station 95.7 news to keep pace with the blue jays but i'm 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 cautiously optimistic that this will turn out all right and martin doesn't have to keep doing this for much longer like i said with diaz and grichuk both starting 
their rehab assignments. They should be back within the next couple weeks. And then Martin can focus more on catching. But this, this is a good thing for him. It's a good thing for him to try and clear his head, not focus on what he's doing at the plate. And we've seen that the past couple of days. He's gotten hits in consecutive games. So if this is a sign it's turning around for him, that's only a good thing for the Blue Jays. And that that's another thing we can say about the Philadelphia series. We did see signs of life from other dormant bats. Devin Travis had a two for three game in the series finale off of Nick Pavetta, raising his average to 178. But he had that big uh, double, that, that two-run double in the second that really set the tone for the Blue Jays and, and put things more at ease heading later into the game when they, again, ended up needing those runs. It, it was good to see that on in the finale that the Blue Jays were able to take advantage of another pitcher, a younger pitcher in Canadian, Nick Pavetta. But they were able to take advantage against him, much like they did in the opener against Zach Eflin. Did, were they able to really do that later? No. Um, Curtis Granderson hit another ninth inning home run in that finale, but that was the only only run scored in the final two innings. Um, and and again, they couldn't really do anything in the middle game that they ended up losing 2-1. But there, there, again, were signs of life from this Blue Jays offense in two of the three games. And like the middle game, you're facing Aaron Nola and Sir Anthony Dominguez. We can't underestimate how good Sir Anthony Dominguez is going to be as a major league reliever he he's got some absolutely filthy stuff so i i actually don't fault the blue jays for not being able to get hits off of a couple guys who have whips below one and one guy who has a spotless era and a whip of 0.19 so that's a a whip of 19 points so i i don't fault the blue jays for that middle game there was nothing they were going to be able to do against that but to take two out of three from Philadelphia to get the offense going to the point where it scored the five runs necessary. It it was a good sign, especially with the other positive trend that emerged from that Philadelphia series, which we will talk about right after this. So yeah, five runs has been a magic number for the Blue Jays, generally, because they have gotten the pitching necessary to make five runs stand up easily. And in the Philadelphia series, for the first time this season, they got that pitching from their starters. Um, they had back-to-back quality starts for the first time since late April, and I'm pretty sure they haven't had uh, back-to-back-to-back quality starts this season given some of the performances, but you you did know you were going to get that with Jay Happ going in the finale. I, I tweeted out on Saturday he was he was four and zero with a one eleven ERA heading into this game. So he's five and zero against his, the team that drafted him now, which, you know, gotta love that revenge plot. Um and Sam Gavilio to the point uh, we expected a solid start out of him. I touched on this on the Saturday edition, the rare Saturday edition of Locked On Blue Jays. Uh, I touched on it, and he was able to deliver a quality start. But the big story for the Blue Jays in this series, from a pitching standpoint, 
was the return of Jaime Garcia. And Garcia was out there just absolutely efficient. He was pounding the strike zone all day. He went seven innings on only 73 pitches. Five runs. He gave up the one run, the one home run to Michael Franco. Only five Ks, but he was he was so effective out there getting getting the ground balls, getting the lazy fly balls that that's what the Blue Jays paid eight million dollars for. And Garcia hadn't delivered that since like the first half of April. So to see Garcia go out there and deliver such a a throwback performance for him was a big development for this Blue Jay squad. I I talked about it on Friday. Garcia was in danger of losing his position when Marcus Stroman came back. But uh, see, seeing a, a start like this where Garcia is straight dealing, is, is able to, again, place that ball wherever he wants and and generate the contact that he wants. Because that's a, that's a key for Garcia. He's, he's a bit like his compatriot, Marco Estrada. He's trying to generate the contact. He's trying to generate those lazy pop-ups and and those ground balls. So if he can continue to do that and not just bounce curveballs off the dirt like we saw before his DL stint, that'll go a big way to helping the Blue Jays right the ship. Now, it it absolutely sucked to see Joe Biagini come out there in his first relief appearance of the season, the first uh, spot the Blue Jays wanted to Blue Jays fan base wanted to see him in as as that middle uh, that two inning reliever kind of guy and he promptly served up the game winning home run to Nick Williams who uh, as the as the Blue Jays uh, announcing crew was quick to point out he's one of the best pinch hitters this season so I I believe that was his third pinch hit home run this year so there's there's not there's nothing you can say about that. It looked like Biagini was trying to challenge him, was trying to put that fastball by him, and Nick Williams just got all of it. So it, there's there's not a lot you can do. The Blue Jays went toe-to-toe with Arandola, a guy who was 5-0 and at home heading into that game, and played him to a draw. And I, I actually took heart from that performance. It was a good road performance. For the Blue Jays, and again, they ended up winning the series. They Hap got got another quality start, and then Sung Kwan Oh has been dominant the entire series. He threw two and a third innings of scoreless baseball. Great to see out of him, and then Ryan DePero, which a much much more relaxed save in the finale as opposed to Friday night when everyone was like chewing the other person's nails. That's how tense that was. So Ryan DePera looked much more at ease, much more comfortable. He he did walk about her, but worked around it. So it it bodes well for a Blue Jays team that needed something positive, needed something more than just a fuzzy good feelings of Russell Martin starting all over the place. So if they can take that forward, and again, this road trip did, does not get any easier with a set of three against Boston. And they're going to be facing David Price today. Like I said, Aaron Sanchez is on the mound. He's go- They need Sanchez to continue this run that the starting pitching has found itself on. They need someone to go out there and keep the momentum going. Because how, how many times 
have we seen? Like, Jay Happ will have a good start, and oh, Marco Estrada, he, he's got a good start. And then, again, the next guy, be it Garcia or Stroman, will go out there and put the bullpen in a bad spot again. Blue Jays have to avoid doing that. They've they've given their guys some needed rest. I haven't seen Tyler Tyler Clippard since the opener. I haven't seen John Axford uh, in three games, which is good for him if he can if he can get some rest and get that fastball back up to 96. So the fact they're able to take a bit of a load off the off the Blue Jays bullpen with their performance this season again something very necessary, something they they've needed to do, and like it does look like O has moved up in the hierarchy to at least become the main setup man to Ryan Tapera. So we'll see how that goes going forward. I love O in that later inning role. I know Gibbons has been using O as kind of a floater to come in in like the sixth inning and, and get necessary outs if needed. They've been really playing the matchups with O, but if he's in there later, I'm more confident in what Sung Juan O can do as opposed to a Tyler Clippard or a John Axford or or some of these other guys. May, aside from maybe Aaron Loop, who, again, has continued to be consistent. He came in um, at the end of the eighth inning against Philly. He plunked Odebel Herrera, which didn't look great, but he got he got out of it. Um, he, he got Santana, so... I'm I'm fine with what Loop's been able to do, and and help augment that late inning game. It, Gibbons has been using him pretty much exclusively against lefties. So if you, if Loop can show he's doing that now, that that bodes well to augment that late inning core so that they don't have to get everyone out. It again, it it was a positive series overall for the Blue Jays against the Phillies because. Again, you looked at that Phillies team. You looked at a team that was nine games above 500, that had gotten really good pitching, and you you wondered aloud, would the Blue Jays be able to do something? And they proved they could do something by by getting the series win out of it. Again, will it continue? Will it? Will they be able to do it against Boston coming up? I it's it's going to be a far tougher task to try and pull two out of three from Boston. You know, especially given they're getting the middle of the rotation. They're getting Price, Porcello, and Eduardo Rodriguez. And yeah, you again, you're, you're hoping that Sanchez and Estrada can perform better than they have. And then you have Sam Gaviglio who, who you need to hope the magic keeps going for him. So I'm not confident in talking about a Blue Jays win over the Red Sox altogether. But, you know, when we come back on Wednesday, hopefully we have things we can take away from it that don't necessarily portend doom in the AL East. That That's my goal for this Boston Red Sox. Don't be the apocalypse for the Blue Jays season that it looked like it could have been last week. That that's that's it. That's all I want. Um, but yeah, I said we'll talk about it on Wednesday because we should have an interview coming up tomorrow that I guarantee is an exclusive that I'm kind of excited for. So you guys will get to hear that tomorrow. 
I I think you'll enjoy it. I I uh, it, it's interesting. I'll I will definitely say that it's an it's an interesting interview. So look for that uh, tomorrow. We'll we'll put that up on Locked On Jays. And if you want more news like that, follow the account Locked On Jays on Twitter or follow me at neoac18. I'm I'm on there usually when I'm not traveling. Um, you know, I'm always up for a conversation, always up to talk Blue Jays. I'm I can talk NBA about how LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. I can talk hockey about how Ovechkin should win a Stanley Cup. I can't talk golf. Not that good, but most things I can. So hit me up on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, or whatever podcast grabber you use. Locked on Jays is on there. Um, But as always, we thank you for listening, because you make this podcast what it is. You, the fans, are, are the heartbeat of this Locked on Blue Jays podcast, and I thank you for that. So, for everyone here at Locked on Jays, this is Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening, and y'all take care.